Civics 101 is supported in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. There are some decisions made by the Supreme Court that are considered to be canon, meaning they are considered so obviously right and true and in keeping with correct constitutional meaning that they set unimpeachable precedent. Brown v. Board of Education, for example. Racial segregation of children in public schools is unconstitutional. This is almost universally agreed upon as right and true, in keeping with the word of law in the United States. It's both about constitutional interpretation and ethical and moral principle. And then there are cases that represent the exact opposite. The rulings in these cases have been described by scholars and judges as bad, grievously mistaken, odious. These are the Supreme Court's mistakes. We call them the anti-canon. Anti-canon, as in the opposite of canon. Sort of, but still a form of canon. Still something that should be used. If canon should be used as precedent, anti-canon should be used as anti-precedent. Decisions so wrong that their incorrectness stands as a glaring warning. This is what not to do. This is what the Constitution does not mean. And today we're going to tell you about the first anti-canon case. And many would say the worst. This is Civics 101. I'm Hannah McCarthy. I'm Nick Capodice. And today, a decision incendiary enough to help to push our nation to the brink of war, and inhumane enough to require constitutional amendments to fix its results. The 1857 case, Dred Scott v. Sandford. Dred Scott, aside from being my great-great-grandfather, is also a hero. This is Lynn Jackson. Great-great-granddaughter of Dred Scott, founder and president of the Dred Scott Heritage Foundation. In 1846, Dred Scott was living in St. Louis, Missouri, with his wife Harriet and daughters Eliza and Lizzie. The family was enslaved and suing for their freedom. That is how this case starts, and we're going to come back to that. Now, Lynn formed the Dred Scott Heritage Foundation back in 2007 with the goal of getting a statue of Dred and his wife Harriet erected in front of the St. Louis, Missouri courthouse where the case started. Lynn got the statue. And since then, she's been telling the Scott story and connecting other descendants of impactful Americans to share their stories and reconcile their pasts. What we've done to help Dred Scott's legacy go forward into the future. Because when you think about it, there was a period of time when Dred Scott's name was known, but not taught. The case was not taught. Um, I even have this beautiful, very thick Black book on Afro-American history. And it's just like this thick. But Dred Scott is not in that book. It was written by Black people. It was written by Black people. And it was written in the 40s. And I couldn't believe it. And I think, like, to Lynn's point, I had just sort of a glancing blow of a lesson about Dred Scott when I was in school. I know teachers teach it now, right? But I really barely knew the story of Dred Scott. What about you? Uh, Back then, I I also knew nothing about it. I knew it was about um, 
a formerly enslaved person and whether or not the court could decide if they were citizens or not. I think there was a period during which this case kind of lay dormant or not deeply explored. Things like that can drop off sometimes. Well, he's back. 